0: Okay, so we're talking about proof today, and uh, I've never quite approached this passage of Scripture this way, so we're going to deal with it this morning. If you'll open to Mark chapter 15, and let's begin reading with verse 33. Mark 15, verse 33, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now I'm reading New King James, so some of you in your translations may have at noon because it was the noon hour. So at noon, there was darkness over the whole land until 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone, let us, let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was. Son of God. So I want to look at this text, and you know, I read it in the nine o'clock service, and I feel the same here. When we read this text, we hit sacred ground. I mean, I know all of the Bible is sacred, but this text in particular, it's like we've entered the Holy of Holies, and uh, this we're touching the ground here theologically of where. Our salvation was purchased, where atonement happened. And so I'm going to deal with three characters in the Bible over the next three weeks who all become proof of who Jesus was. The first is the centurion who declares, truly, this was the Son of God. Next week, I'm going to deal with Thomas, doubting Thomas, who said, I won't believe till I touch the pierced side and then see the nail prints in his hands, and then the Lord walks through the wall and he cries out he falls on his on his face and says my lord and my god and then the final one on easter sunday we're going to deal with saul of tarsus who is paul of course who meets jesus on the road to damascus and a blinding light appears and jesus speaks to him and he cries out lord what do you want me to do so three encounters with three different people who all testify As to who Jesus is. Now when I looked at this passage, I thought about the centurion. And about what the centurion saw that day. Because the centurion, I'm assuming, had been doing his job for a while. He was a commander and evidently experienced at crucifixion, which was a horrific death sentence that the Romans used. And so this probably wasn't his first crucifixion. I'm assuming he had crucified many people before. And so he would have walked with our Lord through the whole crucifixion process. And yet he comes out with a different conclusion at the end of this than in any other crucifixion he had ever seen. And so he sees three things happening here as I'll just walk through Mark's text. And I want to walk through these and and, and, and and try to understand what the centurion is experiencing. First of all, he sees darkness. He sees darkness. In the middle of the day, at noon, darkness sweeps over the land and it's pitch black, I believe, for three hours. And the darkness speaks really, I think, of judgment. Because if you look in Scripture, Darkness often accompanied the judgment of the Lord. In Egypt, during the Exodus, in the book of Exodus, before the Passover night, which was this, where the death angel came and took out the firstborn of every family that didn't have the blood applied, that before that last and dreadful plague, there was darkness over all of Egypt. Darkness as a sign of God is coming in judgment. Even Amos chapter 8 verse 9 speaks of judgment coming and God's darkness accompanying it. And so I just have to believe that this, this darkness that's upon all of Jerusalem that day was a sign of God coming and judging. And what's He judging? But He's judging the sin of man. He's judging all the sin because in the death of Jesus culminated... All of the history of man's rebellion, and it would look forward and cover all of the sin for you, for me, and for every person who would walk the face of the earth. In that act was enough to cover the sin of the world. And so darkness fell upon the place, and we know in that moment Jesus became a curse. The Bible says in Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So sin brings with it a curse. And so Jesus endured the darkness and endured that curse for you and I. We know He's the Son of God. that's, That's been proven throughout the Gospels, but yet something is happening here in a strange way that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that somehow He separates Himself from the Father, it seems, and endures what He shouldn't have had to endure. I was with a friend this week in Atlanta who's a pastor friend of mine, and he said uh, there, was a, there was a guy he knew who was a minister, and in their area... Uh, someone had had a a horrific car accident. And I forget the details of it. But anyhow, a young girl was killed in this car accident. And the man who hit her uh, was charged with manslaughter. And so the pastor said, I went and sat through all of the trial just to kind of support the guy because I knew him. And so what happened in the trial was you had a family on one side who had lost their daughter and they came to the courtroom demanding justice. But on the other side, you had a, a poor guy over here that had evidently non-intentionally killed someone, but I don't forgot the details. Anyhow, he's been charged for it. And he's convicted. And he's sent to prison. And the preacher said, I was sitting there thinking, I wished both sides could somehow be appeased. That somehow there would be someone who could bridge the gap between justice and mercy. Somehow in the courtroom of heaven and in the history of salvation, you and I were accused like the man and we had no way out. There was nothing we could do to proffer our own release. There was nothing we could offer to buy us out of this situation. There was no works we could do. There was not enough lives we could live to pay for it all. But somehow in the courtroom of heaven, Jesus stepped in. And He took my place and He took your place. And he bridged the gap between justice and mercy. And he said, Father, I will step up and I will take what this person deserves. And I'll take it upon me and I'll drink of the curse of God. And I'll take it in and I will take the curse so they won't have to deal with the consequences. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody raise your hand and just thank God that he took the curse for you. That you wouldn't have to bear it. The second thing I see happening in this text then is that Jesus, after the, the earth went dark, then Jesus cries out and he prays a prayer, but what he's praying is Psalm 22, which was a Psalm of David. And he cries out in the Aramaic language, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And they thought it sounded like Eliyahu in Hebrew, which is Elijah, and they thought he's calling on Elijah. But really, he's just praying the prayer of David from Psalm 22, which is David's struggle with questioning where God is in the midst of his trial. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cries this out. And it's it's this sense of abandonment, this sense of being forsaken, and it's almost as if the Father is like turning a blind eye to what is happening on the cross. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that, but I'm just going with it. But there's this sense of abandonment, that Jesus was abandoned. Not only did He become a curse for us, but He was abandoned for us. And He cries out, to the Lord, and what's interesting is he doesn't deny God. He still calls him my God. Some people go through trials and they lose faith. It's not what Jesus did here. But he experienced that sense of abandonment that sin brings with it. Because we think of sin, you know, sin has, we preach against sin and the eternal consequences of sin and all this stuff. But really maybe the worst outcome of sin is that it separates us in our relationship from God. I don't think it separates us from His love. His love is always after us. But somehow it strains the relationship with God and if we sin enough we can find ourselves way out far from shore and far from that closeness that we used to know with the Lord. The abandonment accompanies sin. Isaiah said in Isaiah 52, your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He won't hear you. It's a cry of dereliction, the theologians say. God, have you forsaken me? Have I been cut off? But what was happening on a grander scale was that he was experiencing the manifestation of sin and the punishment of sin and the abandonment of God so you and I wouldn't have to. Yeah. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.22 that indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin. So there had to be an atonement. There had to be a shedding of blood. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. We don't have to experience the death of it, but have eternal life. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. My abandonment that I deserved, the curse that was on my life, was nailed to the cross, and now I've been set free by the work that Jesus has done. Come on, somebody give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then finally, he sees Jesus breathe his last and die. And it's interesting if you read this, that it was that last moment that actually convinced the centurion that this was the Son of God. He says in verse 39, So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, This man was the Son of God. And as we think about it, he said before that that the veil of the temple was torn, darkness, Jesus' prayer from Psalm 23, veil of the temple is torn, and then he breathes his last. So let me just take an exit for a second here. The veil of the temple. So what was the veil of the temple? There were two veils in the temple. There was one veil that separated the outer court's from the sanctuary itself. Then there was a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And so theologians disagree. The early church fathers believed that it was the outer veil that was rent in two because the outer veil is what separated the world and prevented them from having access to the sanctuary of God. But others believe it was the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Because the most holy place was the place where the glory of God or the presence of God dwelt. And now by separating that, that veil and, and ripping it in two, it's symbolic now. Now the glory of God is released out of the most holy place. And now everyone can have access to the glory of God. Because if you've read the Old Testament or if you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, whichever one, you know there was an Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was overlaid with gold. And it had a lid on top of the Ark of the Covenant that we call the mercy seat. Or it was the propitiation. Or it was the place of atonement. And on that mercy seat, once a year, a high priest would come in and sprinkle the blood of the Lamb on the mercy seat. And that would atone the sins of the nation of Israel for one year. But yet when Jesus offered His blood on the cross... He went into the Holy of Holies, so to speak. And He offered once and for all an atonement that would last throughout eternity. And He sprinkled His blood, the blood of a spotless lamb, upon the mercy seat. And now atonement or propitiation has been made for you and I. And it was over that mercy seat that the glory of God dwelt in the tabernacle. It was over that mercy seat that the glory dwelt and led Israel or followed Israel through the wilderness. And now that Jesus has been crucified, now the access to that glory has been opened wide open. And now that glory is sitting on some of you in this building right now. Hallelujah. And now the glory of God has come. The same glory that was a fire by night and a cloud by day is now living in you, in your inner man. Hallelujah. And now that glory that was in the darkness of the cloud up on Mount Sinai when Moses went and received the tabernacle, the, the, the commandments from God on tablets, now that same glory is dwelling in us today because we're no longer outsiders. We're no longer not a people of God. We're no longer strangers. But now you and I have become the family of God. We've been brought in, grafted into the vine, grafted into the glory, given access to all the presence of the Lord. Oh, somebody raise your hand and give him a shout hallelujah. We had no right to it. Sin had left us abandoned. But Jesus didn't leave us that way. He came and experienced the abandonment for us took the curse for us so we could get the blessing and we could get the relationship. And then He breathes His last on the cross. And there was something that the centurion realized was happening and he said, truly this was the Son of God. And you think about this the centurion probably understood very little about Jewish religion. He was an outsider. He was a Gentile. He was probably a pretty hardcore dude. Because if he was the one they sent people to be crucified, he was probably a cold-hearted guy. But something happened at the end. And, And in the Roman world and in the Greek world, they were used to anthropomorphic gods, meaning gods that took on bodily form. Zeus, Hercules, Neptune. They had bodily forms, but they were divine. And so you got to understand, the centurion wouldn't have had all of the Christian theology that you and I had. But he knew something was happening. He knew this man must be divine. And what if he had seen hundreds of men die by crucifixion? What if he had seen thousands of men die by crucifixion? What made this crucifixion different? I don't know. You know, some scholars say they believe that, that when he breathed his last, the centurion realized this guy could have, this guy didn't die a normal death, but he allowed himself. to be killed for a higher purpose. There was something divine in the way this thing went down. And he was convinced that this was the Son of God. So now Jesus has experienced the darkness of God's judgment. He's experienced the abandonment of God, in a sense, forsaking him. And now he's experienced The death blow. Why did it have to happen? 1 Corinthians 15.3 Paul said, For I delivered to, uh, to you as of the first importance which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. It had to happen. And what I think is really profound is that this Gentile hardened centurion recognizes what's going on the Sanhedrin didn't recognize what's going on the high priest didn't recognize what's going on even the crowd who was crying Hosanna were the same ones later crying crucify him they didn't realize what was going on but this hardened soldier realized what's going on now we know you know there's all kinds of church his tradition in church history right and some tradition is right and some tradition not so right so I'm going to give you a traditional story here I'm not saying it's historically accurate, but just listen. According to history, tradition says this centurion's name was Longinus. And tradition says he was the soldier who pierced the side of Jesus. And after piercing his side, he was healed of an eye infliction. He was also the one who put him in the tomb and he and his soldiers were present At the resurrection of Christ. And the Jews bribed them to lie and say that his disciples had stolen away the body, but Longinus and two of his comrades refused to be seduced. But instead, they started testifying about the miracle of the resurrection. They came to believe in Jesus, received baptism at the hands of the apostles. And then went out preaching the gospel. And tradition says that Longinus and a few of his men came to Cappadocia. Which would be modern day eastern Turkey. And there Christianity began to spread throughout the city and the surrounding villages. The Jews got news of it according to tradition. Encouraged Pilate or Herod rather to send out soldiers to take their lives. So the story goes. The Roman soldiers showed up at Longinus' house, told him who they were looking for, and he said, I'm the man you're looking for. And the soldiers were like, why are you telling us this? You, you should run. He said, no, I'm go- not going to run. And they beheaded him and his fellow soldiers, and they became martyrs of the faith. That's according to tradition. But I think it's interesting that for the early church, one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection would be some hardened Gentile like Longinus seeing what happened at the cross and realizing that He really was the Son of God. What a proof. What a proof of the resurrection. What a proof of the crucifixion that a hardened guy on the outside sees and is converted i see in this a conversion testimony not just i see it deeper i see it as a conversion testimony the bible says in romans 5 8, god shows his love to us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us First Peter 2.24 He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness and by His stripes we were healed. 1 John 2.2 He is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. Colossians 1.22 He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. For Christ, 1 Peter 3, also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1.18, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Come on, somebody needs to give God praise that He didn't leave you abandoned. He didn't leave you cursed. He didn't leave you in your death death-like state, but He came. Jesus was judged so you and I could go free. The sky turned black so you and I could experience the light of His salvation. The sentence you and I deserved was taken by Him on the cross, and now your sins have been washed away. They've been cast as far as the east is from the west. You've been sanctified. Hallelujah. You've been set apart. You've been filled with the power of God. Now you've been redeemed. You've been purchased by his blood. Come on, somebody else, to get excited and give him a praise in this house. Jesus was abandoned so you and I would not be left alone. He was abandoned so you would be loved. He was outcast so that you would be embraced. He died so that you could live. He died so that you could experience life and life more abundantly, hallelujah. He paid the price so you could be set free. He took all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the whipping. He took your anxiety. He took your depression. He took your loneliness. He took your sin there. He nailed it to the cross. Stripped the principalities of their authority when he rose from the dead. And said, now my son, now my daughter, you can go free. Somebody give him a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody shout hallelujah. You need to shout like you've been set free. Come on, you need to shout like you've been rescued. Hallelujah! Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah! 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 Come on, somebody say, I thank God I'm not what I used to be, I'm not the man I used to be. He who is in Christ is a new creation old things have passed away and behold all things have become new now you've traded out the old garment for a new garment of holiness now the old man has died and the new man has come to life and God has opened the doors to his kingdom to his presence to his glory now your future is bright come on everybody standing on your feet give him some praise in here right now hallelujah Come on, just give him praise in here. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah. So now listen. Thank you, Lord. Now Longinus is the proof that he really is the son of God. That's right. yeah, that's right. Right. Come on, how many born again people do I have in here? Yeah. Every time you walk out your door, yeah. Yeah. now you are the proof yeah. right. that he really is the son of God. You're the proof to your family. You're the proof to your work associates. You're the proof on the job. You're the proof at school. You're the proof at Walmart and Walgreens. Hallelujah. You're the proof all the way around. That's why the devil hates it and God loves it. You now announce his victory. Everywhere you go, you announce to the principalities and the powers in this region and everywhere you travel that God is real. This isn't just myth. This isn't just story. But this is reality that he's come as the Son of God. Come to earth to bring salvation and bring resurrection power into you. And now that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He's waking you up in the morning. He's blessing you throughout the day. He's keeping you everywhere. Come on, somebody else I give Him a praise in here this morning. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. stretch your hand out. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you praise right now that you are the Son of God. You are the real Son of God. And God, I give you praise right now for resurrection life. I give you praise for not leaving us alone. I thank you for the meaning of resurrection and meaning of Easter, God, that you didn't leave us to our own devices, but you came, wiped away the judgment against us, brought us into the family of God and Lord we give you thanks right now come on can somebody just raise your hand and lift your voice right now for a few seconds and just give him praise for what he's done and who he is come on just lift your voice right now hallelujah give him thanks oh I give you praise Lord. thank you that you're God of a second chance you came to give us a second chance God I give you praise right now Hallelujah! 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 Son, that the Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, everybody! Hallelujah! 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 Come on, pray just a few more minutes. Come on! Oh, this is holy ground in here this morning. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hey! Hallelujah! 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 come on! God just showed some of you a way out. He just showed some of you a way out my way out. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be bound. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be defeated. Jesus took it all on the cross for me. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. 30 more seconds just pray right now in the name of the Lord. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's breaking, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, every chain broken this morning, God, every chain broken in the name of Lord, every chain broken in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah. Every chain broken right now, then side, then like you, God, we give you praise right now. I, bind, I just keeps coming, but I bind the spirit of depression. I bind the spirit of depression right now. Cast you out in Jesus' name. Command you not to return in Jesus' name. Go into the pit and not return in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray a loosing happens right now. Freedom comes for those suffering depression this morning. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that that thing is cracked off of their lives right now. Pulled off of their life by the power of the cross right now. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you praise, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you. Uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I wanna close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in, I believe Jesus is Lord, forgive me of my sins, I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's gonna come in and he's gonna do the rest. Romans 10 verses nine and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart, I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life has changed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. And I hope to see you again.